August 30th, 2018, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference. The first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to tenboundcom slash conference to get your tickets today. That's tenboundcom slash conference. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host, back with one of my favorite guests, one of my first guests on the show, Mr. Matt Admonson, VP of Marketing with EverString. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, spectacular. It's great to be back. It's great to see how much this podcast has grown in, po- in both popularity and just number of podcasts. So it's awesome to do something twice and sort of be there at the beginning and kind of now see all that it's become, not just a podcast, but also the incredible show that you guys put on every year. Last year was amazing, and this year is going to be better. So I'm super excited, Dave. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And you were one of the first guests on the show. Now we're getting, we're going to be creeping toward 100 episodes, which is crazy to think about. It was over 18 months ago. A lot has changed. A lot has changed in the the sales development community. I think it's gotten harder to break through. You know, it's gotten harder to break through to customers and to reach people. But you know, you guys have made great strides. What have you seen? Would you say has changed in the last couple of years, and and what has kind of stayed the same? Yeah, good questions. I mean, it's it's interesting. I do agree with you. Things have gotten harder. I also like there's better technology, better data than there has been before. So that's changed, right? SDRs are are armed with better stuff for their outbound engagement or even just follow up on inbound. So I think that's cool. You know, 18 months ago when I was on this podcast, I was talking a lot about account-based sales development. In my opinion, that has not changed. If anything, it's evolved. It's spread in popularity. And when I say account-based sales development, what I mean is, you know, SDR sort of going after an account holistically, after multiple stakeholders or personas within an account, doing heightened levels of research on that account, and sort of utilizing that knowledge across multiple personas, that's working. I also think personalization, which we talked a lot about on the last podcast, is becoming more and more popular. It's interesting. I was reading an article written by Dan Smith the other day, and he wrote it like a year and a half ago, maybe not, maybe not quite a year and a half ago, maybe about a year ago. And it's still so good. And there are still so many people who are not using 
like personalization in their outreach. So I still think we have a long way to go. But I think what was true 18 months ago when we talked is true again now. I think maybe the primary difference is platforms like like SalesLoft and others have gotten more and more popular. And it's interesting. What I see from those is, is a big parallel to what I saw about eight years ago when I was working at Marketo and thinking about Marketo's customers and Eloqua's customers and, and Pardot and HubSpot as well, which is just kind of misuse. So I'm happy to unpack any of that stuff if you want to talk about it. But I think I think more people are, are sort of woke on what's the right way to do sales development, but not enough yet. Okay. So, so I got a few things there. So one is a lot of new tools have been released, you know, since we talked last, just only in two years. And those bigger players have solidified their position. Oh. We even put together a sales development market map a few days ago. We released it of all the different tools and, and programs and all these different things. Yeah. And so what I'm curious about is, you know, with all these tools and programs and different things that are available to sales development, how has the operationalization, I don't even know if that's a word, but how has the operationalization evolved to keep up with all these things to really make them useful versus just kind of confusing to the SDRs? Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's, to your point and to the point of your your infographic on all the, the new sales development tech, there's a lot of new tech. More and more people, I think, are getting hip to needing to have a single platform to deploy all that technology from. I think businesses like SalesOft are doing a great job of really becoming a platform and, and not necessarily a point solution and sort of allowing all of those new pieces of tech to sort of interact with it directly and bolster it. I think they're doing a great job with it. I don't think others are doing as well, but I think that's helping, right? I think Marketo and Eloqua both did a great job of this, you know, 10 years ago where they were, you know, they were letting all these new marketing tech pieces that were really kind of point solutions just interact directly with Marketo. And I think SalesOft is doing the same. You see them bringing on some calendaring and some AI stuff, like what the guys at Nova are doing. Obviously, video stuff with like, I think both Vidyard and, and Videolicious now work directly within SalesOft. So that's really exciting. I think the more they've created that, the more they've solidified the space and sort of created a marketplace for all these apps to exist, which is is really killer. I think I think there's a lot of people that are kind of going for a low-hanging fruit and trying to solve simple problems that can become almost fad-like. I think, you know, a year ago, people were really, really high on utilizing video in their outreach. And now when I see video in my outreach, I know it's really not going to be anything that special. It's just going to be someone holding a whiteboard with my name on it. So it's interesting. These these trends, they come and they're like world beating for the first six months and then they just die fast. That's where I think like the rise of like the sales development platforms is really important because it sort of allows businesses like mine to to buy tech and to interact and to sort of connect it directly into that platform and use it as opposed to having to log into multiple applications which, you know, SDRs just don't like doing. Nobody likes doing. Yeah, so it's the Salesforce App Exchange model, but just, you know, focused in sales development. And there's some players that are definitely making strides in that area. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think yeah. I think SalesOft is, is leading the charge. I think Outreach is doing a great job. And then, you know, every now and then I get an email from somebody who's got, you know, a SalesOft or Outreach competitive product. But, 
you know, they're playing from four or five years behind and they don't have the ability to, you know, sort of absorb all this, all this extra technology. It's, it's very akin to, you know, sort of like the app world on, on mobile, right? Like iTunes and the Google play have created marketplaces where, you know, you've got your phone and, you know, you want to have Uber on it. Great. You want to have Spotify on it. Great. It all, it all works perfectly. And then you'll see like this really great, big, shiny new phone, but the marketplace associated with it's really lacking. And so, you know, if you buy this cool new phone from China or wherever, and, and you can't get Uber on it, or you can't get your Spotify, then, you know, it's, it's not that useful to you. And, you know, I might use those applications from my laptop, but I'd rather just have them all in the place where I like to play. And that's, that's on my phone. Right. So you definitely see some consolidation as well with oh, yeah. all these different points. Is the name of the game right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you this. So what I see a lot out there is people spin up sales development teams by hiring the sales development reps first, and then they kind of build it up from from there to getting a manager and then potentially getting some operational support. But what I see a lot is a lot of confusion and wasted cycles at that beginning because, you know, the sales development reps are trying to figure out the process at the same time. Do you ever see anything like that? Well, I see it all the time. I've never been an advocate for it. I think you and I talked about this at length in the last podcast where, you know, I'm much more of an advocate of, you know, hire an SDR manager first, somebody who's willing to come in and get their hands dirty and do the job for a while and build out the process and then slowly start to scale that across other SDRs. It's like a bigger initial investment, not by a lot. Essentially, you know, instead of hiring two SDRs, you're hiring one, but that SDR manager should be good enough and understand the game well enough to be able to perform as if they were two people. And really Uh, by building that solid foundation, you can really build big on top of that. Now, the other thing is, is you know, this was this has been a big problem for a lot of businesses over the course of the last three or four years. Is there's just a lot of companies that are going to market before they're ready to go to market, yes. and you know they turn their guns and 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 aim it at the SDR team and say you're not building enough pipeline. When in reality, it's just like the market doesn't want their 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 product yet, or the product's just really not viable. So I think you know it's on a lot of these founders to be responsible about not going to to market with a minimum viable product, but really going to market with something that a lot of people really love and want to use. And, you know, I've seen some, some great examples of businesses that are going out and they're getting 10 customers right off the bat, you know, with their founders and making sure that they're, they're solid, they love the product, they understand the value props, and then they're referenceable customers as they, you know, build an SDR team, add a marketing function, and really start to scale out their messaging. I think that's a much more successful and has much longer term viability as a go to market strategy. I think people are getting wiser to that in 2018. So that's a nice change that we've seen. But I think, you know, three or four years ago, it was like, yeah, let's get some SDRs. We'll put this product out. We'll try and get 100 customers and we'll use that to fund our Series B or our Series A. And that just doesn't work. Yeah, that is so interesting. So if you were in that hypothetical situation and you were in a situation where, the sales development program was struggling and it was basically they kind of put the cart before the horse in in that respect. What would you, what would you recommend that the founders do at that point when maybe they, they started the sales development program too early before they really knew if there was product market fit? 
Well, I think I, I'm going to give you an answer that a lot of people won't like hearing, but it's really to downsize or eliminate the function until you are ready. Because, you know, as you're controlling your business's burn, you know, if you've got these expensive assets like SDRs that are running down your burn on a monthly basis and they're not providing value because you're truly not ready to, to sell product yet, you know, you got to have that man in the mirror moment and and let them go, which is unfortunate. And I never, I certainly am never one who's advocating for, for SDRs to lose their job. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't have a good enough product to sell, you got to really think about it and make some tough decisions. Yeah. And I, you know, I've never been in that scenario, but how do you find product market fit? I mean, I guess this is kind of a wider question, but, but if, if, if the, if the SDRs are really knocking their heads against the wall, they can't get a meeting for this particular reason. What is, what are one or two things that the founder could potentially do to figure out how to, you know, repurpose this? Well, you know, the interesting thing is it's not always visible from from SDR work, or at least not like early KPIs, like meetings being set. I think just about like any solid SDR leader should be able to get people excited enough to take a look at a product, get into a demo, or at least see a sales presentation about it. I think where you start to see that you don't have product market fit is when, you know, your win rate is below 10% where your churn rate is at like 70% and it's hard to acquire customers and the acquire and the customers that you do acquire they're hard to keep right mm. that's a better indicator of your overall product market fit and unfortunately it takes a lot longer to be able to determine that and that's where you have to make tough decisions right and yeah. i think you know as an sdr if you're an sdr in an early stage business and you know you're hitting your numbers but your sales team isn't hitting their numbers you got to look at that and you got to be a little bit worried. You got to put on your, your grown up pants and make some decisions about your own career. But those are really, really poor indications of the overall health of a business. Similarly, if you're a company that has really, really high churn rate, you got to look at those numbers too. So if you're an SCR sitting at an early stage Series A or seed round company, and that's the metrics that your business is facing, you it's really on you to control your own career and have an understanding that like, well, I may not be in trouble now and I may be making good checks right now because I'm hitting my my monthly or quarterly quota, but in a year or 18 months I may be out of a job. Yeah, so keep networking, <laughs> keep, you know, adding value to the marketplace, keep meeting people. Yeah, Maybe, go, go to sales development conference. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. And always be nice to recruiters, right? <laughs> no matter what's going on. Thank you or no thank you goes a long way. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about it is, is I think a lot of a lot of SDRs feel like things are out of their control, where really they're far more in control than they believe when it comes to their career. And at the end of the day, you are the master of your own career, right? You're, you're piloting your own ship. And if you're seeing something that doesn't look right, if you're seeing rough waters ahead, like we're at a good time in terms of job market, right? It, it's not a bad deal if, if your business is not looking so hot for you to sort of get off the ship and and get on one that's doing a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And keep your numbers straight. I mean, numbers are the language of business, right? So, you know, really keep track of what you've been doing, how you're converting, you know, all the awards that you got and all that stuff so that you have a good story to tell no matter what happens. It just makes it more. Totally. Totally. I mean, I would never have a problem interviewing a candidate that came to me and said, you know what, Matt, I was at an early stage company. I loved it. I loved the idea. 
I was hitting my numbers or I've been hitting my numbers. I am hitting my numbers, but I've got some major concerns because it doesn't look like the throughput is leading to close one deals and the customers that we do have are not, they're not sticking with us. So I'm a little bit concerned about the long-term health of the business. So that's why I'm looking to, to move to a, to a place that's better for me long-term. And I think that that's, that's a totally valid reason to leave a company. And it shows a level of maturity that we don't often see in SDR candidates. And, you know, my advice to every SDR out there is whatever role you, you want to move into, you got to move into it in the place that you're at, right? So if you're an SDR and your goal is to become an account executive, and if you can't do that at the current business that you're at, because maybe they sell an enterprise grade solution. So, you know, the, the sales reps that they hire are the, you know, sort of 10, 15, 20 year experience guys or gals, then, then move on, find a place where you can move into the role that you want to move into. Otherwise you're just going to end up bouncing from place to place as an SDR over and over again and not really pushing your career forward. So again, you, you got to control your own career. August 30th, 2018, San Francisco, the Sales Development Conference, the first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to 10bound.com conference to get your tickets today. That's 10bound.com conference. Big time, big time. And, and, you know, even I've seen it where those companies do end up getting bought out or, or they fold and a lot of really great SDRs are now looking for a job. And, yeah. you know, again, if you have your numbers, if you have, if you know what happened, if you're ready to step up, then I think that you can, you can find something pretty quick. Totally. But totally. The, l- let me ask you another point you made was I'm really interested in now we've got the, we, we know that we have the product market fit. So let's put that one aside. We've got the product market fit. We've got a good thing going here. And what we know that we need to personalize the message, yeah. the, the messages that are going out are way too generic. It's too easy to get caught in a spam filter. There's a lot more messaging coming out. How, like from a high level, how do you equip an SDR team to be able to personalize, you know, quick enough so that they're not spending their whole day researching? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting point. I think it depends upon the audience that you're serving. So if you're a small to mid-sized business SDR versus an enterprise SDR. On the SMB side, I recommend personalizing the subject line every time. So we fully, to use your word, we fully operationalize that process. So in SalesLoft, we don't put any subject lines into the cadences that we use. So an SDR always has to personalize. And that's the perfect place to personalize an email. And let me explain to you why. A subject line of an email is essentially just an advertisement for what's in it, right? And if you're thinking about like the prospect that you're trying to get a hold of and what their email inbox looks like, it's full of garbage, right? It's just full of the same old stuff. Download this ebook, check out this white paper, join us for this webinar. Hey, do you want some leads, verified leads for a Dreamforce coming up? It's the same old stuff over and over again. I think again. I got that one today. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I got a few of those. <laughs> and, you know, if there's like a subject line that's like, hey, Matt, like, let me get your marketing team doing the eight clap because I know you went to UCLA and that's sort of like the cheer that UCLA does or, you know, like, let me get you Paul Bunyan's axe, which is like, you know, the Wisconsin, Michigan football game, I think. If I'm wrong, and that's terrible because I'm a football guy. But like, it's those types of things where it's like, whoa, that stood out. Right. And then if you just kind of make good on that promise for like the first sentence. Right. So if it's like, hey, Matt, I want to get your marketing team doing the A clap. And this is like the first sentence of the email is like, hey, Matt, I went on your LinkedIn profile. saw you went to UCLA. That's so cool. They're Chip Kelly is their new head coach. I'm sure they'd be great in football this year. Hey, the reason for my outreach was right. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I just kind of fooled you on the subject line. But like now here comes the completely canned email. That just goes a long way, right? That goes so far because now I've opened the email and now I'll probably spend the next 15 seconds just reading what you've got there. I'm a big advocate for keeping emails short. I'm also a big advocate for, you know, SDRs should do the one to few or really one to one email outreach. So really make it about the person in the company that they work for and let your marketing department do the blanketing, right? Let, let your marketing department yeah. educate the market that you're going after. I see, you know, we talked about this at the top end of the podcast. Like I see so much misuse of sales acceleration tools where people are just like, you know, Hey, we don't want to use Marketo or Eloqua anymore. We'll just use, you know, outreach and we'll have the SDR send a thousand emails a day. It just doesn't work that way. You're not going to get engagement, right? Where the call to action is something like, Hey, download this, this ebook or this white paper that should be coming from your marketing department. And the SDR should be having those human interactions. So I think the more people that start to get hip with that, the better off they're going to be. But personalization, it works. It still works. It's still a huge part of our overall go-to-market strategy. We just let our head of demand do the blanketing of, to our total addressable market. And then we let the SDRs do the more personalized outreach. And it just, it works beautifully. Okay, cool. So from their perspective, you know, they come in and they need to write a personalized message to someone. What are two or three things that they have to do to get that personal information and get it as quickly as possible so that they can move on to the next one or, or yeah. keep, keep their day going? Because I'm just curious, like how to do that as efficiently as possible so that you can have a meaningful message, but then not get too bogged down. Yeah. I mean, I think everything that you like, if you're doing this at scale, everything that you need to know about a person is above the fold in their LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people have personal descriptions of themselves. You can utilize their own words against them. Almost everybody in you know, in a professional position nowadays has gone to college. So you can always reference the school that they went to. That always works because again, those aren't fields that people store inside Salesforce. So they can't be tokenized, but you don't have to go super deep. I mean, the more you know about an organization, that's great. But again, any account knowledge that you gain in research can be utilized across multiple personas and can be utilized in multiple emails. So you know, if I'm looking at you, David, like I could just go to your LinkedIn profile and see that, you know, you're the CEO of Tenbound and, and you were at Infer and you were at, you know, Glassdoor. And I could reference all that very quickly without having to do major levels of research. So, you know, I keep the research to on an individual to three minutes or less. Okay, excellent. And so one thing that I, I read that you posted recently, a couple of things. One is Sales Loft uh, put out some research on 
there's kind of a sweet spot of personalization. It's you don't have to be 80%, but to your point, it's like maybe 30% of the message can be personalized, and that's what actually ended up getting the best response. Yeah, right? I mean, we we follow a rule here where we do 10 80 10, where the first okay. 10% is personalized, the next 80% is totally canned, and the last 10% is personalized. We don't always do 10 80 10, we might just do 20% at the beginning, and then the, the last 80% can be canned. But again, like, you know, there's a level of creepiness that you want to avoid. You don't want to know much about a person. And the reality is there's so much about every individual on the open Internet that you can get. But you want to stick away from that as much as possible. It's like if someone's putting something in their professional headline on LinkedIn or in their description, to me, that's fair game. And really, all they want to know is that you've done some level of research on them and the business that they work for. And people will give you the time of day. It will happen. Okay, so go on, get two or three points, three minutes, pop it in and go. And then the other quick thing I wanted to mention is you had posted uh, something about FIRE, which was an acronym. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's uh, some research that you guys did around how to think about personalization and, and timing. Yeah, so this is, it's a little bit bigger than that. Okay. It is my proposed new way for businesses to go to market. And in my opinion, it's really high time for companies to evolve. We talked about like there's great new technology. There's also really great new data that's available. And if you can start incorporating that into an overall go-to-market strategy, you can really crush. I mean really crush. So when we talk about FIRE, we're talking about four points of data. The first being fit. Now, EverString is a business that can tell you how fit a company is to buy your product. And I don't want to make this podcast a commercial for EverString, but it is important to think about that. When I think about all the reasons why an SDR passes a meeting and an AE doesn't accept it and create an opportunity, it generally boils down to two things. One, the AE says, you know, this is not going to work out. This company's not a good fit for us. Or two, this company's a good fit, but the timing is off. So yeah, maybe this is an opportunity in six months or in three months, but now is not the right time. They don't want to do anything. And what FIRE does is it really eliminates a lot of that. And so the first point being fit, you only want to be prospecting into accounts that could actually buy your product. That just makes sense, right? Like you don't want the first thing an AE to say is like, dude, we sell the financial services business and you bring me a retail company. Like this isn't going to work at all, right? And the second thing being intent, right? And, and timing. So the I in FIRE is intent. Right? We use Bombora for that. It's fully integrated into our platform. We do sell it. So full disclosure on that. But intent will tell you when businesses are doing heightened levels of research around a specific topic. Right. So if you're going to prospect into an account that's a good fit for your business, wouldn't you want to call into an account that's looking for a solution like what you have? So like marketing automations, platforms like Marketo and Eloqua and Pardot and all that – They've always been able to measure engagement. Like, did this person come to the website? Did they download a white paper? That's great. But it's missing the big picture, which is all the companies that are looking for a solution like yours, but don't know about you, right? So they may be on like Forbes.com doing research on digital transformation or CRM or, you know, new HR solutions or things like that. And they don't know you, right? But you still want to have that data. You still know that that's important for you to know about, right? Like, And those intent topics, they have to be very specific to your business, right? So to me, the gauge for it is, hey, if I 
came to a salesperson and showed them 10 companies that were all looking at, you know, or are all doing heightened levels of research on a specific topic, would that salesperson drop everything and want to call all 10 of them? And to me, that's the major litmus test. And a lot of places that have just bought intent on its own, they fall down on that, right? Because it's like, oh, well, yeah, they were surging on this specific topic, but it's not really that important to my business. And, and we had some, some, some fits and starts with that, but I think we've got it really dialed in now. Secondarily, if a company is showing intent, but isn't a good fit for your business, it doesn't even matter, right? It doesn't matter. If you tell me that, you know, Sarah High School is looking heavily at predictive analytics, like I don't care, they're not going to buy from me. So it doesn't even matter. So marrying those first two are really important. The R is just recency, right? So like, how long ago were they looking for a solution? Because if it was eight months ago, and I reach out today, then it's no good. They may have engaged with one of my competitors and actually made a purchase, right? So the cool thing is, is what we've done in here internally, and what our customers have done with this data is they can timestamp it. So each week, the SDR team, the marketing team, the sales team has visibility into which of their top accounts are actually looking after solutions like ours. And that starts to inform the SDRs and me as a marketer in terms of who do I want to reach out to this week? What programs do I want to use to to engage with them as an SDR? What emails do I want to send to go after these accounts? The fourth is engagement. And this is the real typical data that that most people have, if you have a Marketo, the Marketo sales insight piece that says, you know, hey, this person's been to the website, they've downloaded this white paper, maybe they've looked at your pricing page. That means that a good fit account is looking for a solution like yours recently, and they've also landed on your website so they know who you are. So that means when you reach out, there's probably an active product or project, the company is a good fit, and they at least have some awareness of who you are as a brand. And so if you can deliver these fire accounts with all four dimensions filled out to an SCR or to a salesperson, they know that they're calling the right person at the right time. And when you say, hey, I'm calling from EverString, they're not going to be like, I don't know who that is. So that is, to me, the next level evolution of what go-to-market's going to be all about. Nice, dude. Okay. So then, you know, they have all this information. The sales development team has all this information. And that seems like that would change the entire, I don't want to say script. It's not like anybody's sitting there reading from a script, but it's a, such a, a second layer down from where they are right now in c- trying to kind of make stuff up, basically. Yeah. Now they have all this information right right in front of them, how does it work into like a, a workflow? Like say yeah. they've got sales law, for example, where, how, where would it pop in? Yeah, great question. So all this information is going directly into CRM. So when the SCRs are looking at like, okay, who are the accounts that I'm going to target this week? They've got a pre-built report that says, you know, hey, David, here's your top accounts that were surging this week. And these are the topics that they're surging on. So as you start to move the contacts into you know, your sales loft or other tools like that, you can begin reaching out to them and saying like, you know, hey, David, not sure if you're aware of EverString or you know, I'm not sure if you guys have an active project or not, but here's what we do. I think it's never a good idea to hit them over the head with, I saw that your company was doing heightened levels of research into this, right? right. Because that starts to move you into that creep factor where people are like, God, like you're monitoring my business. That's that's a little creepy. Yeah. But 
what you get back from people are like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad you called. We're actually looking for a solution. I'm wondering if you guys do X, Y, and Z. And it's just this, this great moment where like the prospect knows who you are. The prospect actually has an active product. And when you hand it off to a salesperson, they're not going to be like, oh, dude, I can't sell to this guy, right? Yeah. It meets all of the requirements for qualification criteria. And it's just – it's magic. What we've seen along our business is a reduction in sales cycle by like 40%. We have a customer terminus that reduced their sales cycle by 20 business days, right? It's just, it's this massive change because you're no longer hunting down companies that can't buy for you, don't have a project. You don't have to evangelize the space that you occupy and then convince them to buy from you. They already have done their research. They know what they want. It's just now up to you to essentially identify what are the pieces that they want and prove why you do it better than your competitors. Okay. And it reduces the friction on their end quite a bit because you're not bothering people that are not even, you know, they're never going to buy from you or they're not even in your universe. Instead, you're really focusing your limited amount of resources on people that could actually do something with your company. Absolutely right. And in a lot of cases, what you're able to do is you're able to engage with them before your competitors. Because if your competitors are sitting back and waiting for these people to come to your website, but you've seen that they've got an active project going and you jump on them first, I don't remember exactly who put out the sales statistic, but it's like 78% of when you get to a prospect with an active project first, you win 78% of the time. Right. And I mean, I think anybody who's ever bought anything, I think anybody who's ever sold anything can validate that that is accurate, right? It's very, very difficult to come in to an active sales cycle where somebody's already been engaged with another vendor and try to displace it. You've got to do it with a few things, right? Like discounting, generally speaking, being number one or some sort of flexibility around contracting. This way you're able to sell the deals for a bigger price, you're able to sell them without having to make so many concessions on the contract, like a 90-day POC or a six-month opt-out or anything like that. You get to be column A and really control the messaging and control what they think is valuable. Okay. And now, where do you have to be, You know, going back to our discussion on the go-to-market stage, yeah. where do you have to be? Do you already have to have a list of accounts and a validated product? Or can you go even earlier than that and use this system to kind of set up where you're going to spend your time? Well, I think I think you could really do it both ways. I think a mature business can use it to really fine tune the accounts that they're targeting and ensure that their sales reps and SDRs are the most efficient because they're working with active projects. Or two, you can utilize it the way you know customers like Snowflake utilize it to see, oh, there's these really great high fit accounts in this region and there's a lot of activity there. We might want to go add another sales body in the Great Lakes or you know, in the mid-Atlantic states or maybe down in Florida or someplace where we don't have a lot of resources. And people are using this data for their hiring plans, for their growth plans, for their expansion plans. There's a lot of different ways to utilize this data. And there's really small companies that can benefit from it as well, right? We, we sell to customers that have 10 or fewer employees who want to come in and sort of ride the wave as disruptors and, you know, move into a space that may be crowded or may have like a really strong incumbent. And they start reading the data, that intent data that says, hey, they're looking for a solution like this. Let's get at them before that 300 pound gorilla gets in the room and sort of dominates a sales cycle. 
Right. So this this could be a game changer on a lot of different levels. And you guys have it all in one package. Like, theoretically, I mean, just have a lay, level playing field. Could somebody piece this together if they were some kind of operational genius to set it up for their sales development team? Or is that just, like, never going to happen? Well, I mean, I think I think there's there's probably stages to how you would potentially do that. Yeah. You know, there's people who just want to be account focused, right? And they can just build a target account list and, and go after it. I think when you when you layer on a platform like ours that say says, you know, hey, I want to be able to operationally build a list of target accounts and have that dynamically change as these businesses grow and shrink and, you know, have events like funding or hiring of a, a specific persona within their business, then it, it gets really difficult. Uh, It's hard to do that with people. And then the intent piece is just impossible, right? I think Bombora is the market leader in intent data. I think they've done a beautiful and brilliant job with it. But one of the things that I've seen that people have fallen down with with intent data is when they can't marry it to what a good account looks like, they really struggle. Because the thing is, is, you know, in the scenario I, I laid out to you earlier, if you're a marketer and you bring intent into your tech stack and you're like, hey, salesperson, this company is exhibiting intent. I want you to call them and you set up an SLA. You got to call them within a day or something. But the account sucks. They're not going to call it and they're going to lose trust and faith in, in things like intent data. So that's really critical is marrying those two together. Right. Because it just doesn't matter if an account you can't sell to is exhibiting high intent. Right. It just doesn't matter. Yes. I, okay. I got it. And it's funny because I know that people have been trying to get something like this together, but it's just amazing that you've been able to. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have someone on your team who helps enable the sales development reps and we'll say also the sales team with this system to make sure that they know how to use it. It works correctly. You know, all the buttons are pressed correctly and everything's set up for them. How do you have your team kind of set up to support the sales development reps and the AEs? Well, as you know, I've got a brilliant SDR manager here by the name of Jack Ronan, who is incredible and very dynamic. He has the ability not only to sort of teach the day to day, but also is a wizard with Salesforce and his ability to build, you know, reports and views for them to operate out of. So that's incredible. And that's something that a lot of people probably don't have. In addition to that, we also have a VP of BizOps who sort of handles both sales and marketing operations and is very, very capable and does enablements whenever we're rolling out a new process like this. And I mean, I think that your point here is really, really important. If you're going to build a sophisticated system like this and not enable the SDR or AE team on how to use it properly, you might as well not do it. And it's the reason why like guys like Richard Harris and yourself and and everybody has is out there making a mint in in services it's because you know there's very there's very few people that can actually you know build this and then also go out and enable a team to use it so there's always going to be a human component there's always has to be an enablement component to how you do this because if you can't build it and track it and operationalize it it doesn't really matter this is amazing. I mean, and this, this for everyone listening to this podcast, like we're talking, this is like Ferrari level, you know, <laughs> in the car world. I mean, what Matt runs is the equivalent of Ferrari, you know? And so if you're sitting there and you're driving like a beat up uh, Toyota Corolla like mine, and you're going, 
how do I get to this level? You want to follow Matt. You want to stay in touch with everything that he's putting out and and definitely download the ebook. I know you put a lot of effort into an ebook recently, Matt. How do they get an, a hold of that? Yeah, just swing by the everstring.com website. You can download okay. the Fire ebook. It's a very just high level kind of thought leader approach to what is it, why it's important. Yeah. We don't necessarily go into the nitty gritty details of like how to build it inside Salesforce. We wanted to keep it really high level so people could understand the values behind it. The one thing that I will add is while this is, in my opinion, I do agree with you, it is sort of the Ferrari of sales development process. It is not expensive, right? It doesn't take a lot of money to build this, right? This data can be had for fairly inexpensive, a lot cheaper than what I think a lot of people think of. And so in my opinion, if you're not getting to this, like you're making a huge mistake for your business because it's not a huge investment. It's not a huge investment in time either. A lot of the stuff is all pre-built when you install the package. So you're up and running and good to go very, very quickly. So you know, that's that's the distinction that I really want to make here. And, you know, whether EverString is the brand that, you know, sort of rings this in as the de facto go to market going forward or not, this will be the go to market strategy going forward because this data is too good. It's too easy to use. And if you're not utilizing this, your competitors are and they have an unfair advantage against you. It's like if you sold water and I could tell you everybody who was thirsty, you'd want that data because you'd want to know who to go sell it to as opposed to selling water to a bunch of people that just walked out of a 7-Eleven and are all Gatorated up. <laughs> Those are not the people that you want to be selling water to. And so the people who can see that data and make it actionable and incorporate it into their go-to-market are going to crush the people that don't. Because the one thing that I can tell you is that people don't follow the traditional funnel anymore. People know if they come to your website and they download a white paper, they're going to get a call from an SDR. And so that keeps a lot of people from doing it. They want to get their education. They want to do their research in places like Forbes or Business Insider or other publications because they know if they go to those places, they're not going to get an SDR calling them right away. So fewer and fewer people will start to engage with your brand from like the traditional sense by downloading content or viewing your pricing page right on your website. They're going to be doing it in other places. And if you cannot see that behavior you are going to get left behind. Holy cow. Okay. You guys heard it here first. (laughs) A little little fear goes along. Yeah. No, I mean, (laughs) I I think it's so true. It's the buyer behavior has changed. And, you know, the way that we interact with companies has completely changed. And if we can't, I mean, and if you talk to a lot of sales development programs out there, there, it's diminishing returns right now because people are trying to, they're trying to wing it. They're trying to move forward without the blueprint. And they're not aware of all these different things that you're talking about that they have to be aware of. Otherwise, the competitors eating your lunch. And so, you know, again, study this stuff, stay in touch with Matt, grab the book. Matt, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom with us. You bet. And I'm going to make the same offer at the end of this podcast that I made at the end of last podcast. If anybody has any question, is building an SDR team, whether you're 
an SDR leader, whether you're a founder of a business, you can hit me up anytime. I'm just Matt, M-A-T-T, at everstring.com. You can hit me on LinkedIn. It's free knowledge. I will talk to anybody, anytime. I'm always available. Well, I appreciate that. I will take you up on that myself, Matt. Thank you so much for being on the Sales Development Podcast, and good luck with everything. You bet. And go to the Sales Development Conference. Woo! (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.